what's going on investors this video will cover a subscriber request on the income ETF RYLD so if you ever have a video request let me know in the comments below and I might just make a video about it it's actually come to my attention that these global X ETFs like QILD and RYLD can actually be pronounced just like Q yield and R yield which just blew my mind, and I'll probably be using them interchangeably throughout the video. First, we will cover our yield and its objective. Then I have this big side-by-side -side tracker of all the different income ETFs that we have talked about before on this channel with pros and cons of each one. So you don't want to miss that. Be sure to support this small-time but growing YouTube channel out by hitting that like button and subscribing, and we can continue on that financial freedom journey together. Now, our yield is quite similar to Q yield in that it sells covered calls, but instead of on the NASDAQ 100, it actually sells them on the Russell 2000 index. Now, what is the Russell 2000? It actually covers not large market cap companies, but quite the opposite. It actually covers the 2000 smallest companies of the US stock market. Now, one of the problems with the S&P 500 or the largest 500 US companies is that sometimes these large companies like Apple, Amazon, and Google, they sometimes just break capitalism. They just do so well that they actually distort the actual performance of the market. Now, the Russell 2000, according to some investors, is a better benchmark of measuring the performance of small cap companies. Last year, the median market cap was just $639 million. Penn National Gaming and Plug Power are among the largest Russell 2000 companies by market cap. As we can see, doing an at-the-money call can generate nearly an 11% return on your investment. And that's basically what RYLD's strategy is, is that they're trying to provide income by doing covered calls. Let's just give a quick tutorial on what covered calls are. In increments of 100 shares, they are basically saying that we will sell our 100 shares at X date for X amount called the strike price in exchange for a premium, in this case, $287. Now, once that data rises and if the share price is above the strike price, the shares will be transferred over. If the share price is not above the strike price, no exchange will happen. And in both cases, we always get to keep the premium of $287, no matter what. Now, the risk in doing this is that we miss out on any potential upside. If the stock price just does really well, just keeps going up, way above our strike price, we're going to miss all of that upside. Another potential risk is that the stock could always just go down, but that's always going to be a risk regardless if options trading is done or not. So doing covered calls has historically produced higher yields in periods of volatility, aka what we're seeing a lot of right now. And of course, the reason you love these income ETFs is because they pay out dividends every single month. Now, GlobalX isn't doing this for free. They do charge an expense ratio of 0.60%, which is on more of the expensive side. But remember, to do this type of options trading on your own, that would require a lot of capital, it would require a lot of your time, and you would be facing a lot of risk. If you invested $10,000 with a 0.60 expense ratio, that would be $60 paid every year right off the top, even if you get no return. According to our yields prospectus, which goes into way more detail of their objectives than I do here on this video, they're going to be doing one month call options, generally at the money, and they hold these options until expiration. A lot of people when doing options trading, they will only hold until they realize a 50% return and then they're going to close out of their position. So this is going to protect investors during a down market or a sideways market. But if the market starts to rally really fast, our yield will underperform the Russell 2000 index. Now with smaller market cap stocks, 
These are not well-established companies and their behavior might have more volatility and it might be less liquid and susceptible to possible bankruptcy. It's gonna be a lot harder to predict earnings, trading volumes might not be as high, and then they're also more prone to be struggling financially in adverse economic situations. So I just wanted to point out some possible risk because anytime you see an 11% yield, you definitely gotta have your guard up. Their own perspective even states that our yield is not in the business of aiming to beat the returns of the Russell 2000. So owning our yield is not necessarily the same thing as owning the index per se. I do also wanna point out that RYLD has considerably underperformed the Russell 2000 in the past year, with the index returning 63% compared to RYLD's 40% return, including dividends. The fund also straight up says that they will be making distributions taxable as ordinary income unless they're used in a tax-advantaged account like an IRA. So be aware that the tax burden might be high and eat into your returns when Uncle Sam finally emerges from under your bed. Now let's compare our yield to the other income ETFs. We can see by inception date, QILD blows away the competition. They've been around since December of 2013, while the other three have started within the past two years. Jappy didn't even start paying dividends until July of 2020. Both R yield and Q yield are provided by Global X, which has been around since 2008, and they have over $30 billion in assets under management. They're now actually a subsidiary of a South Korean asset management company. Chase Bank has been around for a really long time under various names. They were actually founded by Aaron Burr, the third ever vice president of the United States. You know, the guy that infamously killed the guy on the $10 bill, Alexander Hamilton, in a duel. So you know it's been around since almost literally all of US history. Nationwide has been around since 1926. So all of these are very reputable companies. Now for the past 12 months dividend yields, both the Global X ones will give a double digit plus return, while Jeppy and Nusi are around 7%. Jeppy's share price tends to fluctuate around a little bit more than the others, as does its distribution. So do a plus or minus 1% for around a 7% yield. Obviously, all these stats are going to be changing every single day. Now, assets under management, our yield has a measly $89 million compared to QILD's $2.6 billion. Now, I do think all the free exposure these funds get on YouTube has contributed to the funds rising assets under management. So to Global X, you're welcome. Please start paying me to advertise your products. <laughs> Although I do think that Jeppy will eventually overtake QILD, it's right now sitting at $1.4 billion in assets under management, and Nusi has $312 million of our hard-earned dollars being put to work. For expense ratio, I don't want people to overlook this because a high expense ratio over decades of investing in the market over time, that can potentially be hundreds of thousands of dollars investors are giving to these financial institutions and not even realizing it. Finance companies have to make money somehow. But Global X is down to a 0.60 expense ratio. Nusi is the most expensive at 0.68%. And Chepi has a very attractive just 0.35% expense ratio. That's only $35 for every 10K invested annually. Now, strategy is where these ETFs really set themselves apart. The principal strategy of the Global X one is to be doing a covered call strategy 
as we discussed earlier. Now, Jeppy is a little bit different. They do options trading, but then they also hold onto positions to collect dividends, as well as then they also get to experience some of that capital appreciation that happens in the stock market. It is giving us a nice hybrid mix of growth prospects and the options for high yields. Newsy is also different in that it does do covered calls, but it also does do a protective put, which means that there is downside protection. If the market tanks like it does every so often, this is a nice little hedge with a protective net credit caller. This really limits the directions in which these assets can go, and it's for that reason that I'm particularly drawn to this income ETF. Now let's talk about the holdings that each of these income ETFs have. Our yield, as we discussed earlier, focuses on smaller cap companies that make up the Russell 2000, Q Yield and Nusi, they both go off the NASDAQ's 100 largest companies, while Jeppy goes after big, large cap stocks that typically pay dividends, experience capital appreciation over long periods of time, and they also own ELNs or equity linked notes. These are pretty complex to explain. I'll give a quick two sentence summary. Now, ELNs sort of resemble bonds, but they can be a stock or a basket of stocks. When ELNs reach maturity, the investor gets 100% of the amount invested back, and this helps with cash preservation. If the ELN is not worth more than it was when it's purchased, the investor also gets to keep a portion of that return as well. Check out Investopedia's explanation on what they are, as I don't want to ramble on here for too long. Now, ELNs make up just under 20% of Jeppy's total holdings. Now, this is a common question I kept getting on my Jeppy video, which was, what percent should I allocate to income ETFs? Is it a good idea to just put my whole portfolio into Jeppy? To that question, I'll say, one, I'm not your financial advisor, and this is not financial advice. And then two, I really think this question depends on your age. These ETFs are primarily intended to provide a consistent source of cash flow. It's not necessarily to beat any market returns or even track the market for that case. Someone who's on the younger spectrum like me, it probably doesn't make too much sense for me to be putting too much of my money into these income ETFs. I will likely have subpar returns compared to the market. In my younger years, I want to take on more risk. I want to be able to grow my portfolio value. There will be years where I can get much higher returns than the 11% returns in ETF like QYield. They basically cap you at that. But then there's going to be years where I will not be beating that 11% return. And that's where it's going to be really nice to have this little hedge with these ETFs, which is why I've been buying into small positions myself. I see these more as a high interest savings account. It's better than just having my money sitting in a bank, losing value to Uncle Jerome's money printer every single day. Now, if I was a little bit older, in retirement or close to retirement, shout out to that 82-year-old investor who commented on my Jeffy video. That was really neat to say. Now, I would say I wouldn't mind having X amount of my portfolio in these income ETFs because when I'm older, I'm trying to take on less risk. I'm in more of the wealth preservation mode of my life, not necessarily the wealth accumulation and building part of my life. Now, for me personally, I follow a rule that no stock or ETF can ever make up more than 10% of my portfolio. This is just what helps me sleep better at night, is not having to worry that a single company is contingent on my well-being. We just saw that with AT&T after 36 years of being a dividend aristocrat. They basically said, we're going to be slashing our dividend payments in half. This just shows you that nothing is guaranteed. No company ever has any obligation to pay you a dividend whatsoever. That's why I'm going to be spreading my money across various different income ETFs 
across various different providers. Again, that's just what I feel comfortable with and it's worked out pretty well for me so far. If you have any questions, please let me know in the comments below. This video took a lot of time to put together. Please consider hitting that like button to help me out and subscribing to the channel. And I will buy Stash Collect! Catch you later.